And welcome into the Producers Podcast. My name is Kevin Kisser. That is John Simmer sitting right in front of me. And you guys most know me as Chicken Fingers. Uh, I work behind the glass as a producer for the fan. And, you know, I'm on with Orlando and Cecil right now. You guys know me from The Drive, Fan Late Night. I pretty much have done every show on the station. (laughs) John is doing the two morning shows. Yes, sir. Yep, doing uh, Schlereth and Evans in the morning, 6 to 9, and then Chad and Nate, 9 to 11. All right. And and so we came up with this idea of a producer podcast, and we've been talking about this idea for for years, Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you. And nearly every producer has come up with this idea. So we finally got the green light, and we jumped on it. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring you all the producers, mainly the Monday through Friday crew, and we're going to slowly bring in the weekend guys because they're an important uh, piece to to the puzzle for the station as yeah. well. You know, we're going to bring on Ty Fuji from the Fan Late Night. We're going to bring Kamaje on from from the Drive. You know, we're going to bring at Richie on at some point. You know, he's <laughs> executive producer. He does Stokely and Zach. You know, we're going to bring everybody on at different times. But we really wanted to go a little bit behind the curtain, what it's like behind the scenes, behind yep. the glass. Um, we, we want to tell you what it's like working with DMAC, working with Schlereth, you know, all these crazy, crazy egos that they quote unquote have, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs, but we get personalities, through it. The, personalities, personalities yeah. that's a better way, not egos, because um, quite frankly, no one really has an ego at the station. It's, it's just insane personalities. Or maybe they do. Or maybe they do. Tune in to further episodes. Tune week. into episode two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here on the producer podcast on denverfan.com. But, John, I do want to mention that there's a lot of things been going on here over the past, I would say, year and a half to maybe two years here. Oh, you think so? Here in, in Colorado. Yeah, you think so? I'm huh? not talking politics. Right. I'm not talking pop culture. I'm talking Broncos country, Broncos yeah. football. And we have, right. a, we have a new era in town. We've we got a new GM. They then brought in a new head coach. Mm-hmm. They brought in a new quarterback. But for the first time, we finally have new ownership. Yep. For literally from top to bottom, the entirety of the organization has changed in over a year and a half, which is insane. I don't know. I can't think of the last time that's happened. Maybe actually probably the Carolina Panthers, the last NFL team that was sold because obviously they got David Tepper. They I don't know if they got a new GM down there, um, but then Matt Rule came in, and then uh, the changing of uh, of quarterback. So it's pretty crazy to think, you know, I've been here for a little over three years. You've been with the fan for five, six? Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been here since 2015. I interned in 2011, right as the Tebow Steeler game happened. Right. So I interned there with Evans and Klatt, and then... Came back during the Super Bowl Fifty season, so so that's per yeah. So you've literally seen the like the the peak of the mountaintop, oh yeah, and then literally everything that's transpired since then, um, uh, and come, gotten us to this point. I, so I think I've been to the mountaintop two different ways. I was up there with Tim, the Tim Tebow mania, right? That was insane. And for anyone that doesn't under doesn't realize how insane it was, like like John, you weren't here in Colorado no, during no. that time. People were calling in because I was screen calling uh, phone calls for right. Evans and Clatt. I had people calling in just to say I wanted to get on air just to say how much I love Tim Tebow. Right. They didn't want to talk football. Right. And it was like I can't put you on the air because right, you're not bringing add, nothing. Yeah, that doesn't add any substance to the show yeah which is kind of a small thing we can without diverting too much but 
you know, we don't we we don't take a lot of phone calls, um, at least on the morning show that much, if at all. Right. And a lot of it, you know, if you do call in for the future, it's not like we have any bias or anything or as a producer, I like have bias on who gets on or if I don't, you know, if you want to talk about something that I don't necessarily want to hear right it's more like we have a set of guidelines of like okay basically the baseline is will this add to the show outside of what my host can be talking about right and if they can't then i'm just not gonna bring like you on if we're you know? talking about if we're talking about garrett bowles is improving this season on the offensive line at left tackle and you call in want to talk about kale mccarr right it's right, not going to. It's not general, really yeah. going to make sense right. to put you on. But look, we're not against callers. No, definitely. Just, if you do call gotta, in, like I said, it's got to add to the yeah. show outside of yeah. what the hosts can already, you know, kind of summon up themselves or surmise themselves from the topic they're already talking about. And especially, and I've gotten this a lot, especially with like winning give it, uh, when like giving away um, winners who are calling in for giveaways or something. And even if it's a kind of as a joke, it's just kind of a bad way to call into a show is don't call in and just start like saying, I want to talk about why so-and-so sucks or why so-and-so is stupid, <laughs> you know, because it's a little abrasive. Right. And it's just kind of like, which is fine if you're contentious. Just don't be abrasive if you're going to call into any sort of radio right, show. Right. There are shows, I'm sure, on like Sirius XM where that's kind of okay. But obviously, you know, we we follow FCC guidelines, so I can't just, like, let someone on who's just going to start cussing up a storm or just instantly, like, a loose cannon, start firing off on my host, which, again, takes away from the quality of the show. And then it's me who gets in trouble. You know, it's not not my host or anything because I was the one who let you on. So, um, yeah, that was just kind of a small – and I'll let you uh, tie a bow on – on this topic if you have anything but yeah just kind of a one of the small things you know to let you in behind the <laughs> curtains because this is the producers podcast after all you know that uh that we kind of you know is one of this very like one of the many things that we kind of uh do in accumulation to uh running a show as um as producers right exactly and look we don't hate calls just bring bring good calls that's all we're asking for bring it yeah. but we we've seen you've been here three years you mentioned right yeah, a little over three years. Um, so you've May been here. 19. <laughs> you have been here during garbage Broncos time. Oh, it's been awful. Yeah, yeah it's I, been the worst. It's 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 flat out. It's been gar- garbage. Yeah, I was talking to Andrew Mason last night um, before Orlando and Cecil were on air, mm-hmm. and me and him were talking about you know the the Kendall Hinton game and how the Broncos. And I asked him, I said that Kendall Hinton game where Drew Locke and Blake Bortles and Brett Rippin, they all took their their little tracers off during them, COVID. They? They, yeah. they destroyed them uh, reportedly. And they they lied to the NFL. There's cameras in the room, blah, blah, blah. Right. But they, I asked him, I go, is this the rock bottom? Is this rock bottom the worst moment in Broncos history? It has to be because when you brought that up, instantly first thought that came to my mind was most embarrassing moment it's in awful. Broncos organizational history. I mean, it was one of, it, it, it is the most horrific moment ever. Because when you look at the Broncos, what do you, the first thing that comes to your mind about the Broncos? Pat Bowen. It's Pat Bowen. Mm-hmm. A lot For of me, pe- personally. A, a lot of people, it's quarterbacks. Right. Peyton Manning, John sure. Elway. Sure, yeah. And then you go to a game where you don't even have a quarterback right. plan. 
Right. You have a receiver playing quarterback. And it was because that was the COVID year, obviously. It was, wasn't it the I want to say it was the Patriots and the Ravens, and I want to somehow it affected the Broncos if I'm not mistaken, but I'm pretty sure didn't the Patriots have like a big COVID breakout or something, something so they like rescheduled that. the game, yeah, because it was gonna it was like a bunch of starters yep. that were gonna be uh, held out, and um, it might not have even been like because they contracted COVID. It was something that I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but it was. It, I remember at the time it was like the NFL had already shown that they yep. were willing to go out of their way to yep. reschedule a game to a different day because of like different COVID reasons, and with the Broncos it was like. No, you guys are literally going to play without a quarterback. You guys broke the rules. You lied about the rules. And you guys have been an embarrassment to the NFL for right. the last few years. Yeah, in the end, yeah. so it was basically the NFL on top of that was just kind of like, no, we're going to make an example out of you. Yeah. And the only time the Broncos have really been made examples of is positive things. Outside right. of like when Josh McDaniels brought his Patriot ways to the Broncos in, what was it, 09 or whatever, right. when they got caught cheating yeah, exactly. um, out in England. But, yeah. So I, I want to go over this because we have a new era in town in Broncos country. We New ownership, new quarterback, new GM, new head coach. We've been talking about it for a year here at the fan because, you know, behind the scenes, we kind of game plan this out. Raj did if, hey, at some point we're going to get this, 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 and this. And right, we, know, we knew right. this year was going to be that year. So we knew we were going to have a, a big offseason. So we already had this all kind of game planned out. Even every show on their own was game planning this out. Well, and even and just to add on to that real quickly, too, it was just I think it was just kind of the vibe. You know, it just kind of was just like new. Yeah, especially I think George Payton, um, since we're going to kind of chronologically go down, go down this road is George Payton was like he was just <laughs> he brought like a like a just a logical mindset you know where yep. it seems like we were just operating in delusion for it, the last 6 years because it's like oh we won a super bowl this way so we're going to compl- we're going to continue to follow this model when the model was really like you kind of got lucky you got lucky with Tebow you got lucky that you got someone like Peyton Manning and then the reason why you won is you got not necessarily lucky cuz it was like team building through the right. draft and stuff like that but it was an accumulation of again back to Tebow with a great defense yeah. and it wasn't because of Peyton necessarily that you won that Super Bowl right. it's it's Peyton was the reason why you accumulated all that talent to Marcus Ware um uh TJ Ward to keep to leave all those guys that's the reason why they became Broncos but um to operate like you were going to continue to win football games like that especially when the Broncos even back then in 2015 were still the exception to the rule of winning with just straight up defense right. that was like the year that everything was starting to change in the landscape of the NFL with the offense and stuff like that too well and you mentioned like it was kind of like there was a lot of luckiness back then well you know and then you look at luckiness by like circumstance and, if that and, makes and, sense. You, and you mentioned like george payton it was kind of like we have a a new, a new face of the franchise in here you know it's so, kind of something like that but it felt like kind of like an an adult to finally came right. into the room yes exactly and and, yeah. and over the last six years since super bowl 50 the broncos never had a plan let's just no, be that, let's just that be was real the problem i think that was, was the biggest issue that a lot of like people who kind of were able to remove themselves from like the orange and blue standpoint was yeah. like the Broncos don't have a plan. They're and winging even, it. And like you can say 
like winning by only defense or like how they won Super Bowl 50 is technically a plan. Right. But it's more of like a guideline to winging it. Like you said, it's not like a substantial no, plan. They, it's not a step by like a plan as a step by step thing instead of just being like, oh, we're going to win with defense. How? I don't know. We're just going to win by yeah, defense. And, and, and it's so no, history has shown that that's incapable of happening multiple times. Like you got the 15 Broncos, O2. Bucks, you got the 2000 Ravens, the 13 Seahawks. You're not going to win because of those great defenses year in and year out. The Broncos in 2016 sort of had a plan. They right. dra- they went up, they drafted Paxton Lynch. Okay. They knew they needed a quarterback. They went and got one. Right. But the plan was we're just going to let Trevor Simeon go because Gary Kubiak saw himself and mm-hmm. Trevor Simeon, both seventh round picks. They knew they had to develop. Paxton Lynch. Paxton never developed. And quite right. frankly, looking back on it, when you really look at it, the Broncos should have started Paxton Lynch from day one. In hindsight, and that, yeah. But that I think, way, they would have known we messed up. They would have figured it out a lot quicker than they did. In hindsight, I agree, but I still would have agreed with sitting him out a year or letting him, you know. Um, who was the quarterback? Because didn't it just like a year or two before... Um, a quarterback had found success after not starting, or maybe they were just. I think well, are were they drawing of, comparisons to like Aaron Rodgers, even or something. I can't yeah, remember. Just or, like or, letting a quarterback was, sit and stew. I think that idea was like pretty fresch. Yeah, in the NFL still. So, and plus, Paxton was not ready to no, start. He in was the, never in ready. the league year one. Um, but I think I would have said, okay, year two, the training wheels are off. But I mean. <laughs> It was going to fail no matter what. Because yeah. Paxton Lynch is not an NFL quarterback. He's not in like a mature enough adult to be an NFL quarterback. And the Broncos handled it, mishand- mismanaged it, uh, basically from the second year, I would say. Yeah. So I guess, um, like Zach says, you know, reasonable minds can disagree on that in terms of like if he should have started year one or not. But it was going to fail no matter what. Like the end result was always going to be the same, that Paxton Lynch was never going to work out. But it was more of just kind of like you... F- you played around with it way too long. Right. And then afterwards, as it shows in like the history will show in the NFL, once you miss on a first round quarterback, that like puts you back already. It sets you back three two years. years. Yeah. Yeah. I always say two years because it there's been like six quarterbacks of all time to make it to a Super Bowl in their second year. Mm. So you don't if you don't do figure it out by two years after thirty two games, I know D Max got the thirty seven game dictum. That's two two years and five games or mm. four games now, I say give, give it two years. Well, I guess it's 34 games with 17-game right. schedule. But then you'll then you'll figure it out. But I want to go back and say, how did the Broncos get to this point? Right. It got so bad, and it was because of bad, of not having a plan, not having any idea how to draft. The Broncos went through uh, Trevor Simeon. He, he looked fun in training camp. He right. looked good that year. He wasn't the guy. You drafted Paxton Lynch, who had right. no Didn't idea work. what he was doing. Right. You then went out and brought back Brock Osweiler. That yep. was a mistake. That was a disaster. You even had Mark Sanchez in training camp one year in 2016. Yeah, yeah. And, and he to lost James Merrillat. They would have won like what twelve games or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there you if go. To start it, I think he said. And then you go to 2018, where you theoretically you should have drafted Josh Allen. You know, that's a, a story for a different day. I wanted Quentin Nelson. I'll be honest. 
Okay, yeah. So um, did Gary Kubiak. Just so I have that on uh, on record. On I the- actually, <laughs> I cheered. I, I'm exposing myself, but I cheered when we didn't draft Josh Allen, and it wasn't because I didn't think Josh Allen would be a good quarterback. I didn't know. Right. You know, from Wyoming, how, how are you supposed to know that? Um, but it was more that I was just wallowing in so much Broncos, like, misery that yeah. I, like, I was one of those people that was pretty convinced if Josh Allen was drafted by the quarter by the Broncos, we would have ruined him or we wouldn't have developed him correctly. <laughs> That's how bad I was. Yeah. And I wasn't actually in, I wasn't even living in Colorado at the time. I was um, living in Georgia. Um, I was in Georgia from 2015, no, 2014 to 2018. So I even missed the Super Bowl. Okay. I was, I was in a, I was in Atlanta. I was in it. I was living in Georgia for, the Falcons collapse of the Super Bowl and the Broncos went in the Super Bowl. There you go. So, you got you got the best of both worlds take down it there. That way you will. Yeah. But then in 2019 or in 2018, the Broncos go out and they they sign Case Keenum. Yeah. And I, for everyone, I'll tell that story real fast. I I was producing Sandy Clough for Fan Late Night that night when the Broncos agreed to terms with Case Keenum, and I remember it was like that's when our show was done at eleven. And right. usually Sandy would sit in there and watch TV and, you know, just kind of do, do some out. extra work, yeah. you know, and he would be there with me till about 1145, 1130 every mm-hmm. night. There were times I would leave before he left. Right. And that's and it's insane Same here because even when I because I produced that yeah. show. Yeah. Um, Sandy and Sean and that would go till midnight. Yeah. And sometimes Sandy would just be there when I leave. Yeah. So. And. I'll never forget, he left that night like at 11.05. And I was like, dang, Sandy left early. Yeah, I was like, huh. So I'm I, I'm podcasting the, the, the show. I'm typing it all up. And and my phone had been buzzing. And I'm like, okay, there's nothing happening. There's no news happening. Like, what could possibly be happening right. at 11 o'clock at night? Right. I get a call on the hotline from one of our old digital guys, Johnny Hart. And I, I pick up, he's like, uh, you might want to get Sandy back on the air. I was like, for what? Mm. He's like, did you look at your phone? And this it's eleven fifteen at this right. point. Yeah. And I look down and I see Mike Cliss. According to sources, Broncos have agreed to terms with Case Keenum. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. So I'm calling our old boss Armin, and I'm waking him up. <laughs> and he had the thing on the do not disturb on his phone, to where the first right. time it would go straight to voicemail. Yeah. Second time it gets through, and I am blowing him up. And he's like, what? He finally texts me. He's like, what do you need? Uh, I go, the Broncos just got a new quarterback. Yeah. That's a big thing. At the same time, DMAC calls in. Kevin, I could be there in 20 minutes. I'm on my way. I was like, okay. So I, we're trying to, I'm trying to game plan right. all this out. Everything just changed. It just, yeah. With the flick of the switch. All priorities just changed at that point. At, that, at this point, it's all hands on deck. How do we get a host to just get on the yeah. air right now. That's and, basically And at that the point, mindset. I'm like, Armin, just let me on. Just let me <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. You know, so, so I, I'll never I forget. D- D-Mac, Johnny Hart, and Armin come, them three come running through the hallways, pitch blackout, you know, in the hallways because the lights were off. And he's like, fire the breaking news. D-Mac, get on the air. And boom, for six straight hours from 11.42 p.m. to 6 a.m. the next day, Man, DMAC went live, and I I happened to get some on air time that night as well. But right. it was insane. 
the phone lines were full that entire night. Oh yeah. My my uncle goes, there could have been a nuclear bomb coming to the US. <laughs> known. No one would have paid right. attention. Broncos right. got a new quarterback. Everyone right. paid attention. Hope springs eternal. And and that's just that's just the kind of impact the Broncos quarterback position is right. here in Denver. You know, because in 2019, you get Joe Flacco, 2020, you got Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and that whole fiasco and yeah. little Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon. And then last year, it was Teddy Bridgewater. It, it, it was a disaster the yeah. last six years. So when we got to this point, it's like a new thing. And they trade for Russell Wilson. Right. That's big. Oh, I mean, well. You, that's one of those moments. You know where you were at. Let, yeah, let's give it the the brevity. It, it's first of all, it's the biggest trade in NFL history to date. It is. It's the biggest. It's the single biggest trade of in NFL history. I would say probably the most important trade. Would name another big uh, the Herschel Walker trade. No, Herschel Walker is not a quarterback. No, I'm. I'm okay, we're looking at it two different ways. No, oh, not in terms of like. I, I thought you were talking. Yeah, I thought you were talking about. No, I'm talking just like. Then yeah, biggest, we're on the same page. Biggest, yeah, biggest trade in terms of just it literally changed the franchise overnight yeah. because we were. I remember the day again, like you said, it's it's like a you remember where you were kind of thing because I remember our show had I was uh, no Stoke and Zach were on obviously, and for whatever reason, Mike Evans was still in the studio and that's why I'm like kind of getting hung up um why Mike was there on my time because I was off the board Chad and Nate had finished up and Mike Evans for whatever reason he might have been recording a podcast or something was um was uh just in like we were all in like the producer studio and um we were watching ESPN and the graphic comes up that Aaron Rodgers has decided to uh come go back to the Green Bay Packers per Pat McAfee yeah <laughs> and <laughs> And um, I, that was another thing I remember. I have never, like, Pat McAfee has a pretty decent show. I don't, like, go out of my way to watch it or anything. I had never watched so much Pat McAfee in, like, a month <laughs> span because he would have Rodgers on, like, every Tuesday. And I remember one Tuesday, I think, he, like, didn't have him on. And then it was, like, the next Tuesday was, like, oh, we're getting the announcement. And that's when, like, the first of, like, crazy Rodgers right. emerged where he's just, like, talking really cryptically and, like, just super he was, slow. He was he was playing tune. us. Oh yeah, but and so but that came up, and then I remember the moment the like the feeling of like oh god, here we go again was starting to set in because it's like again, it's like as a fan, you're like, damn, we're gonna suck again. But then as like <laughs> a producer and a host, you're like, wow, we have to go through another yep. calendar year. Of talking, of trying to find an angle on Drew Locke. Well, it, it, don't forget, it was kind of. Um, I'm trying to think. Who are and the, rookies for the draft because obviously the draft hadn't ha- happened yeah, yet. Yeah. So what? Who are the quarterbacks in this year's draft? Kenny Pickett, Malik. You're talking Willis. about Kenny Pickett. Yeah, it's baby right. hands and Malik Willis and Matt Corral. Yeah, and Sam Howell, like guys who. The only one who went in the first round was Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And who I actually think he's going to be a pretty decent quarterback. But again, that's another discussion for another time. But me and Mike are just kind of looking at each other just like, well, time to time to dig into the rookies again. Oh, boy. You know, it was just kind of like a from a work perspective. 
you were just kind of like, oh my God, here we go again. And the mood was just like, I was like, I've screwed it. I'm going home. You could feel the air get sucked out of the studio. A hundred percent. It was just kind of like, again, the realization of like, okay, it's going to probably be another like just boring QB competition between Drew Locke and a rookie. And, And don't forget, we mentioned Russell Wilson. Right. There was small rumblings that yeah, there he came, was he came out a with disaster those, up there. He came there. out with two lists, in one of which the Broncos wasn't on. Right. I think that was, that like was his first the year list. before. Yeah. And then he came out with like another list. Yeah. And that one didn't get nearly as much like publicity. Yeah, and be, you know why? It's because Jordan Schultz put it out there. And no one really knew From who God. Jordan Schultz was. Right. And you're like, okay, like we... We hope you're right. Right. We don't trust you. He's more yet. like independent because he's like yeah. he's like worked with Yahoo at one time, but was, yeah. he's not like attached to like a ESPN like a full network or like even like an athletic or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. So I mean, there were there were a few rumblings. It was a it, to to us it felt like a pipe dream. But yeah, because like you're not going to get <laughs> what we didn't gonna, know. You wouldn't think that the Seahawks would be so stupid to part with Russell Wilson. For Drew that, at that time or just at all <laughs> like you just didn't think they would be that dumb because it's just like outside if you give up russell wilson what what do you have nothing nothing and again like that's why the the whole trade itself is so crazy to begin with because you just don't trade what like the a franchise quarterback is so valuable that you just can't think of trading well, that. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Last night, I'm, I'm just laying in bed, and I had the TV on. It was NFL Network, and it was the Steelers-Seahawks preseason game. And I, I think it was the Steelers broadcast. It, it was, I, I don't know who, I think who the broadcast. I think it was, too, because I, I watched a little bit of that, too. And they had mentioned, well, this there's, there's Noah Fant with the catch, and he was part of that Russell Wilson trade. The yeah. huge trade that they gave up so much. The Seahawks actually won the trade. That's what the play-by-play guy said. And I'm like, you guys didn't get anything in return. Does he? The, the, <laughs> that was that was my face reaction right there. Yeah, I'm trying to. John is I'm, stunned. I'm trying to think of. He's just in his own Steeler bubble then. Because I don't know how you can. Three players and a few draft picks. Like, yeah, the first and second round picks are nice. But you got to hit on him. I mean, that guy just exposed himself heavy that he just doesn't watch <laughs> NFL football because Noah Fant is just not that great. I thought Noah Fant was going to be pretty good, but he's fast, but he's not football fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he can run without pads in a really, he can run really fast without pads in a really straight line. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Put him on a field, he's useless, basically. Um, but yeah, God, that's I mean, geez, that just like really. <laughs> I think I stumped yeah, John that here. That really wrecked my train of thought there for a second. It, it, it's it's just it was not a good trade for Seattle. It was definitely a great trade for the Broncos. I remember when it happened. I was sitting in Chipotle. I was in the parking lot at Chipotle. Oh really? And my aunt texted me. She's like, "So the Broncos got Russell Wilson?" I was like, uh, "No," and I didn't see my notifications. Right. right. And and I didn't have the so the radio for, on. This is not a drill. I I was not here for this <laughs> is not a drill. So I had to hear it secondhand. But yeah. I was like, no. And then I see the Broncos tweet out uh, the the volleyball of Wilson from Castaway. Uh, and I again have no point. I have right. no idea what's happening. Because yeah, you're, you're still like I uh, tweeted. Whatever. I all I did. I quote tweeted. I said Wilson. Yeah. I had no idea <laughs> why funny. I was getting so many likes on that video. Really. 
And next thing I know, I turn the radio on and I hear Zach like the Broncos have Russell Wilson. I'm like, yeah. what? And I look at my phone and Schefter. I was like, oh my god! I'm yeah, like that's ten minutes late to the party. I remember because I remember I was texting with a bunch of my like high school friends and guys who I play fantasy football with and stuff like that. And um, we were just kind of like making fun of. We were just kind of like coping. It was kind of like a Drew yeah. Locke like support group. Like, okay, we have to deal with Drew Locke, so let's just like all support each other in this like tr- uh, tedious time. And so we were like, you know, making fun of Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that, just trying to cope with the idea that we had to probably be with Drew Locke another year. And um, someone mentioned Russell Wilson. And I actually said, like, no, that's probably not. Like, yeah. There's no way we get Russell Wilson. I think were my exact words in that text message. And I had sent it. And if I had just waited like 15, I'm not kidding, 15 seconds, <laughs> I get a notification <laughs> that the Bronco. And I was like, hold on. And I thought it was just like a joke or something like yeah. that. And I opened it. It was from Schefter. And I was like, what the hell? And then so I, I sent that text and then in the exact same, like, you know, right away, I was just like, we just signed Russell Wilson. And I just, <laughs> or we just traded for Russell Wilson, like all caps. And they were just like, they were mad at me. Cause they were just like, Oh, you're like, why are you making jokes like this? But, and I was, they were like, I was like, no, we just got Russell Wilson. Yeah. I don't know what for. I don't care what for. We probably gave up Pat Sertan, but that's okay. Like, I'm willing Anything. to... Anything. And then, because I remember the, the trade details didn't come out for like 10 or 15 minutes, right. if I remember correctly. So I was like, Draymond Jones or Pat Sertan, maybe Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Like, those guys, one of those guys are gone. And it's probably Pat Sertan and like two firsts. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then you see the deal, and we're like, oh my God, we just straight up finessed the Seahawks. They, George Payton pulled off the greatest trade in NFL history. Yeah. It, it's not even close. The I, Broncos gave up nothing for Russell Wilson. They gave up a bunch of draft capital, but I mean, you're that's just kind of going to be what it is. You know, that's in any kind of trade like that, that's going to be what it takes for. But yeah, the talent they gave up. I mean, Drew Locke, see you later. Shelby, see you later. Yeah. No fan, see you later. Yeah. Like, I, none of those guys do anything for me. I know no fan, um, no fan, the guy, because I did produce Stoke and Zach uh, for a little bit, um, but it wasn't in season when fan would call in. But I listened to that show all the time, obviously, because yeah. um, I was on, I would produce uh, Orlando and Sandy. And uh, then, you know, Stoke and Zach were on right after them starting at noon. So I would listen to their show all the time. And Noah was like always like super nice and super like well spoken and was fair, pretty honest. Yeah, he was which pretty, is open. pretty surprising for like a current player on a team that sucks. Like for him to be as honest as he was, kudos to him. Yeah, it wasn't just like your political stuff that you'll typically hear. Um, so he gave a lot of great insight. He was good on the show and I know Stoke and Zach were pretty cool with him, but outside of that, like, I mean, see ya. I, I wasn't like what the one, the only image I have of Noah Fant is when Drew Locke against the, in the Texans game, like rolled out to the right and threw right. it to Fant, should have been picked, but Fant caught it and then ran for like an extra 60 yards. Up right. That's the only memory I have of Fant other than like catching it. Oh, he has a DB on him. He just got tackled by like a five, nine, 165 pound <laughs> corner. How did that happen? <laughs> he got tackled by D-Mac. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, 
Yeah, no, the trade itself. I mean, the draft capital, but that. But again, it doesn't matter. And and to the point though that we when we kind of wrap this all back up, it it does go back to George Payton because you're like first round picks. You know, f them picks. Yeah, we got George Payton, who just like we're coming off a draft where we just got Javante Williams, we just got Quinn Miners. Um, I don't. I I'm sure I'm missing one other. Uh, player that was like considered like a pretty Baron Browning. Well, you know what he did? Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper. Like we just came off of a draft where we got like every single pick seemed like all for where you drafted him. There's value. You know, so when you, you know add what George that, Payton did the mix as well. He had a plan. Yes, exactly. Again, exactly. What, like what we said at the beginning, something this franchise hasn't had in six years. Yes, they went year to year. George Payton is years in advance. I want to ask you this before we wrap it up. Yep. With Russell Wilson on this team this year. That's right. That's right. Are the Broncos Super Bowl contenders right now? No. We're at Super Bowl. We're we're in like the infant stages. There's a window. Uh, the, or has I, the window opened yet? I so the ex yes and no. The expectation for me for a Super Bowl window is starts next year right but this is like the major step where like because again we were we were horrible dude like you gotta like to i anyone listening to this just take a step back and remember like we just kind of quickly surmised the last six years we were awful we were an embarrassing franchise it was the worst that the broncos have ever done in their history since they've become Part of like the AFN and uh, the new era, I guess I'll say. So to just go from that to like legitimate playoff contenders is a huge it's leap. It's a big leap. Because without Russell Wilson, we were still like two, three, four years away from getting to where we're at now. So that's a huge leap in and of itself. So no, I'm not going to put uh, Super Bowl or bust expectations on this year. We are playoffs or bust. And I know some people even on the station will say, if we don't make the playoffs, that's not a big deal. That's a big deal that's to a me. Big deal. But I think context matters as well. Like if we go nine and eight and finish fourth in the AFC West because all the other teams just killed it, and like we barely missed out, or we missed like we played like a week seventeen game and we lost on a last second field goal or something like that, the context matters. So right. if we barely miss the playoffs. I won't be okay with it, but I can understand it. Now, if we go like, you know, God forbid, like seven and 10, that's unacceptable. And then we got some real big issue. Right. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think the expectation is a hundred percent make the playoffs, be competitive, try to win. Like we should win a playoff game. These are my realistic expectations. Make the playoffs, win a playoff game. Okay. This season was a success right. to build on next year. And then next year we build in the draft. We get like one or two marquee free agents, Hopefully health maintains. Yeah. Now we've entered this window. And I actually think in this might be, I genuinely believe this. So I think the window for the Broncos Super Bowl, I know it closes really fast, but I think it is larger than the Peyton Manning window by like three or four years. Well, yeah. And, and you know, you got Russell who's younger than when Peyton was Peyton first got but here. I think and stuff. the Broncos are going to be like, really, you got the really, right really guys good. In the building. You got the right GM in there. I wouldn't be shocked. And again, this is like kind. I can understand how people might think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. But like I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos are like in or winning Super Bowls like for the next five years starting next year. There could be a dynasty. Yeah, legitimately. I, I don't think this is the year the Broncos win the Super Bowl. No. 
They make the playoffs. Do they host a playoff game? I don't know. You know, it's all wild card right. weekend. But I do think they could win a game. I'm not going to be shocked if they don't win a playoff right. game. Just make the playoffs first. Get in. That's yep. a huge step. Next year is the year you go out and find that yep. elite middle linebacker. You get you get the money situation done. You get Russ's contract done at some point, whenever that's going to be. Next year's the year. Yep. This is this is kind of a practice year. Next year's the year that I think the Broncos will finally be legit Super Bowl contenders. For I know we're gonna make I know I'm making while. Cecil Lammy really mad right now. He's <laughs> screaming at the podcast right now, but that's how it's gonna be. Yeah. Um that is gonna do it for us here on the producer podcast here on Denverfan.com. My name's Kevin Kisser. That is John Simmer of the morning shows. Now, don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Kisser Radio. Uh, underscore John Simmer underscore underscore underscore. You got a lot of underscores. I got my name in the middle of two underscores. All right, well that's different. Yeah. Uh, so again, we're gonna bring be bringing you guys these podcasts every other day. Stay tuned. We got Ty Fuji, Kamaje Granderson. They're gonna be jumping on. We're gonna be bringing more people on as as time goes forward. But this is the inaugural episode of the Producer Podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Peace.